Welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's just great to be with all you guys today again. I just hope that you're staying safe. You know, as we face another lockdown here in Yangon, or really in the whole country, I just my prayer is that we all remain in fellowship. This is so important. So please, shoot us a text, give us a call. We'd love to you know, pray with you, talk with you. Uh, however, we can come alongside you in your walk here as we, each of us, just walk through this difficult time. And if you have any needs at all, let us know. We'd love to be praying for you. Please text us. Let us know. We have a whole team here that would just love to pray with you, come alongside you. And maybe you've been able to be a part of something that God's really been doing or that maybe something that God has laid on your heart. Let us know. We'd love just to hear from you and just to hear about how God is working in your life. I want to go through a few quick announcements, just as reminders, because you know, even though we are Refuge Fellowship, a church without walls, and we are online, we still have many things going on during the week. So there's maybe you're looking for fellowship, or you're needing to get into a Bible study. We have that available online through Zoom. On Tuesday night, we still have a conversational English Bible study happening every Tuesday night at 6.30. Please join us. Text us for any information. Every other Saturday in the mornings, we have our men's study. I'd love to see you there. Women, every Saturday night, they have their Love God Greatly Bible studies. We'd love to see you there. The youth, every Saturday night, we have our youth group that Christian has been leading. We'd love to see you there. Also, children... We have twice a week, once during the week, and then Sundays at 3 p.m. we have our Zoom call for all the children. So parents, make sure and uh, sign up your kids, get a hold of us and text us and get that Zoom link for 3 o'clock on Sundays. So again, we need to be in fellowship. We're, the Bible is so clear, we should not forsake fellowship. Even though maybe we can't do it in person right now, there's still a lot of opportunities out there for us to fellowship. So please, text us. Let's, let's stay together as a family, as a group of believers, even though maybe we can't meet in person. Again, please, let us know how we can be praying for you. We love you guys. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much just for this opportunity to come before you, to study your word, to dig deep into your word, Lord. Lord, I just pray as we study this, as we see this, this example and these lessons and these, these different things that we can learn through your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just outpour upon us, Lord, that your, your words, Lord, would speak to us, Lord. They would encourage us, Lord. Lord, they would just bring us and that we would just seek after you. Lord, I just thank you so much for this, just this amazing gift you've given us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, to be able to study your word, to learn more about you, to draw closer to Jesus, so, Lord, I pray through this sermon that we would just, our focus in our, that's what it would remain on, is on Jesus. That our eyes and our ears and our thoughts would just be on you and your word, Lord, and who you are today, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that this would happen through your Holy Spirit, Lord. I just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us that none of these words I would say would be my words, but they would be through you, through your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I just pray for this country right now. Lord, I just pray for your protection over this country. I pray for a revival for this country, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that the people, Lord, the people here that are here, the Christians, Lord, they would have faith. They would not have fear. And they would share. They'd go out and share the hope of Jesus Christ with those around us. They would run towards you and run to others to share the good news. 
Lord, I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, all the people, amen. So before we get going, I want to just take a minute. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to need your Bibles. I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter. So grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter, verse 1, or chapter 1, sorry, 13 through 16. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you to be holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I just, we're going to read that again later, but I just feel this, uh, you know, we're not studying here in First Peter, but I just really feel this is just so applicable because I think right now so much of our lockdown, um, our lives have been changed so much. And I just read this and it just really spoke to me just to, this is a time for many of us, a time of preparation. And, you know, when we're alone, we're not in fellowship, I think we need verses especially like this. Today we're actually going to be in John chapter 21. So if you want to flip back over there to John chapter 21, we're going to be in the first 14 verses today. So remember, just a little quick review of what's been taking place. First, most importantly, we know, right? Jesus is alive, and he has appeared to the disciples. He's uh, appeared to some of the women. This has happened several times. And, you know, last week, we, or the week before, it was, remember, it was, Sunday afternoon, right? And this was the first time that Thomas had seen Jesus. Because remember the week before when Jesus came, Thomas wasn't there for some reason. And as we read last week, we saw uh, Thomas's reaction, right? And we saw the other, as the others came with the testimony of Jesus and that he was alive, Thomas came and he said he wouldn't believe unless he himself could touch Jesus and, and see his wounds. Then we know that Jesus came, and he rebuked Thomas for his unbelief. But, you know, we learned such a great lesson with that, right? That Thomas, we said maybe we can call him Honest Thomas, because at least he could be honest with his fellow brothers and sisters. Just like all of us, if we are struggling in sin or lack of faith or whatever we're walking through, we can be honest. We can talk to our brothers, our sisters, our pastors, we can talk to them. Maybe we've backslidden and stumbled or whatever it is, whatever we're dealing with, we learned this lesson from Thomas, we can, we can be honest. Now, on the other side of this, last week we talked about how Jesus reacted to Thomas's lack of faith. Remember? So we, we learned there that we can be honest like Thomas, but what was Jesus's reaction? What should be our reaction to someone that comes that is stumbled or is having a lack of faith? Jesus was very forthright in rebuking Thomas. But also, he did this without any condemnation. He did it in love, and he restored Thomas to a right relationship with him. So this all took place, right? Now a week, after all this, a week or so has passed, and the disciples, they've left Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to pick up today in John chapter 21, verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up there. Now as you're turning there, it's interesting, this story actually... The story we're studying today has some amazing lessons. And again, this story is only told in John's Gospel. 
Now, it's so interesting, this story, as you're turning to verse 1, it's interesting that this story and the amazing lessons that it has for us is only in John's Gospel. Now, I love, I believe that, you know, we can see here that John added this, this chapter or this, this section a little time after he wrote the first part of John. Now, I'm not exactly sure and nobody really knows why, but I believe that John later had found these lessons from Jesus so important that he had to come back and include this section in his book. Uh, maybe, very possibly, the Holy Spirit spoke to John and said, add these stories. So, to repeat John, as we get going here, he says, this is how it happened. Let's look at verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Let's just continue in verses 2 and 3. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. So it's right here, right away, we see author John. He makes sure that we all know many of the disciples. I mean, almost all of them were here and present in this story. Now, if, I think, because if, you know, if John's going to include himself in this story, he wants everyone to know it wasn't just him, but this was a big group of guys, you know, that they're all doing this. I also find it funny as you read that, that, again, John, he mentions Peter, right? He makes sure that we all know that it was Peter that suggested this, right? It was Peter, make sure he knows that it was Peter who suggests to them, let's go on this fishing trip. I, John's always kind of picking on Peter, I think. Peter is always the one who seems to be in the middle of whatever's taking place, whether it's good or bad. Now, before we continue in this story, who remembers what Jesus had told them to do? Where, what should have the disciples been doing right now? We can turn back to Matthew to see that. Back to Matthew. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So they were supposed to go to the mountain. Um, now, so we know this, but yet here they are. Peter's going, getting ready to go fishing. I'm not saying, they, you know, as they waited for Jesus, that maybe they couldn't have done some fishing. But I sense that they went fishing because they were tired of sitting and waiting. Um, you know, I can relate to this. I can relate to Peter, Peter and maybe some of the other disciples. Maybe they become impatient. Um, I'm impatient in nature. Uh, I think because just kind of how I am, but also because I'm an American. Um, if I was told to go to a place and meet someone, and I arrived, and I waited for a while, and they still weren't there, you know, I, I can admit, maybe I would have gone fishing also. I confess, you know, this has happened throughout my entire life. There's a lot of times because of my impatience, because I didn't wait on God and his instruction. I didn't wait on his timing, but instead I went ahead with my own timing. And it's caused me some problems throughout my life. I, you know, as I think about this, and I, I've shared with you before in Psalms, right? Uh, we've talked about the tree in Psalm, in Psalm 1. As we remember that the righteous ones are described as a tree. And I've taught on this, and it, it reminded me of this tree, right? As the tree has a real purpose. The purpose, we've talked about it before, is fruit. But also we remember that this tree has a season. There's a season in its life when it is set to do this. 
You know, you think about it, if this fruit were to, this tree were to bear fruit too early or too late, it would either be sour and it wouldn't be any good, or maybe if it was too late, maybe it'd even be rotten fruit. You know, as I think about this, we also have different seasons in our lives. And, you know, my prayer is that all of us would walk in God's timing so that whatever works we are doing, they would be in God's timing so they wouldn't be like that fruit of that tree. It would either be sour to someone or rotten to someone. I don't want to be like the disciples, you know, when Jesus asked me to, you know, account with what I've done with the gifts he's given me and having nothing to show, as we're going to see later in this picture as they go fishing, right? So let's continue in verses 4 and 5. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. So these disciples, they've been doing what they know best. They've been doing their trade or their profession. I, I assume that many of them have done this trade from childhood, taught to them as a family business from their father. Now, I know maybe not all of them were directly fishermen, but many of them that were there, fishing was their actual livelihood. It was a profession. And I think about this. You know, I read this story. I thought about my own secular profession because, I, you know, I haven't been in ministry my whole life, though I should have been probably in some form. But, you know, just like me, I had a secular profession. And many of you out there have some form of education or a trade or some type of skill that you're, you're probably very good at it and very talented at, even maybe, a, you know, gifted that way from the Lord. Uh, for me, I was, I've been in business most all of my life. Uh, before coming here, I was in construction and real estate. You know, I was very, very good at what I did for many years, even though, unfortunately, it was my identity. I'll be very honest. I mean, that shouldn't be my identity, but it was. And I'm sure it was for these guys here. If, you know, you talk to Peter, who are you? I'm a fisherman. Um, that's kind of, I can relate to that. But, you know, as I think about that and think how good I was at that, sometimes when I'm walking through some very difficult times, um, you know, even like today with this coronavirus, um, as we're stuck and I don't feel very purposeful because we can't meet in person and we can't do all the things that I feel called to do. And sometimes, you know, I dream of what my life would be like if I would just go back to my old life as a businessman, to go back to something I was really successful at, really good at it, thinking maybe if I returned to my old job, my, my old life, that it would be easier and it would be very comfortable both for me and my family. I admit, it crosses my mind, the thought of going back to the States, going back into business, the fact of not being, having to depend on nothing but my own skills and knowledge and abilities as a way to provide for my family is, I'll tell you what it is, that is the way that Satan brings temptation into my life to leave the ministry that God has called me to. That's what it is. Satan would love, love to see me not live by faith, not to rely upon God, but to take control of my life and depend on my own resources to provide for the, my needs. You know, honestly, business or making money was easy for me. For me, living a life surrendered to God is much harder some days to completely give up control of my life and just trust Jesus to provide, to wait as the disciples were told to do here, to wait for Jesus to give them what they needed. That's harder for me for, than for me just to go out and try to provide that for myself. For me to trust and rely upon, to have faith that Jesus will provide, 
then to walk in that, right? To walk in that calling, that purpose, knowing, knowing the work I'm doing, there may be no physical measure of success. That's hard sometimes to me. I can relate to Peter when he's standing there saying, let's go fishing. I, I, you know, Peter, as a fisherman, he would, have been, he would have worked very hard. And after a hard day, typically, and I'm sure many days in his life, he would see the fruits of his labor. Not on this day, but, you know, that's what we're used to, most of us. We work hard, we see the fruits of our labor. If we work harder, we see more fruits. But serving Jesus doesn't really work this way. First, we may or may not ever see the fruits of our labor. They're not our fruits. They're God's fruits. And if we do see the fruits, it's not necessarily based on how hard we worked or even our own works. It's on what the Holy Spirit or God has done through us. So that it's very different. And you know, the other part, we don't serve God for what we can gain, as in our normal professions or our trades, but for what we serve God for what he already did for us. We already received the blessings, our sins forgiving, which is how we have eternal life. So these disciples, we know God has already sent them. He's already commissioned them, sent them out, just as he sent all of us out into the world to go out and share the good news. But even though they were sent, even though they were commissioned, they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. We know this. Now, only a week later, as they're waiting, they've become impatient, I believe. And so I believe immediately they start to turn back to what they knew. Fishing, their profession. This was something I believe Peter believed he could do well and do it on his own so he didn't have to wait for Jesus to do this. So what happened to the disciples? What do you think would happen to you or me if we went back to doing what each of us were comfortable with doing instead of waiting on Jesus, instead of waiting on his timing? We read this story. The disciples, they've been up all night using their skills to do what they knew best, to do the one thing they believed they were truly, truly good at. What was the result? Jesus asked him himself. Jesus asked, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. They didn't catch a few fish. They caught zero fish, doing what they had done for profession for their entire lives. Just think about that. What a lesson in it for me. Let's continue. Let's look at verse 6. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. You know, as I read this, the scripture, I see a very different response to the disciples, or maybe especially Peter, receiving the advice of how to fish than the last time. Who remembers the last time something similar like this happened? the response they had when they were told how to do their trade. Who remembers? Turn back to Luke. Luke chapter 5, 4, and 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. So there's a little bit of a different response, I believe, there than we see now. You know, the, they questioned here. He, Peter, he explains himself. And he says, I know you're wrong, but I'll do it anyway. So he was still willing, but he explained why he believed Jesus' plan wouldn't work. I believe now, many, many, three years later, the disciples have a, a changed heart. 
I mean, we don't read much about it here in this discussion, but I believe we see a difference here. And we know that Jesus, he asked for obedience from each of us. We are called to have faith in his instruction and surrender our will to his. You know, I believe these disciples, now they've, this time has passed, they've been prepared to go out and share the good news. The Holy Spirit, you know, right now has not outpoured himself, but the disciples first now, they've become faithful servants who are surrendered to Jesus. I believe their hearts, even Peter's, has been softened now. Peter's become much more moldable that, you know, in Jesus' time, he's going to be used in a mighty way. You know, it makes me look at my own life. What about us? What is our response? Are we, like this story here, are we willing to just say, yes, Lord, and obey and wait on his timing? It's a difficult question at times. Let's continue. Let's look at verses 7 through 9. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, by the way, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that the Lord, it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the load, loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire. We see in this story, it was first John who saw it was Jesus. You know, it was first John, right? Remember, it was first John who, John who got to the empty tomb, right? But who was the one that jumped, in the, jumped out of the boat both feet first? Again, it was Peter leaving behind his, probably his own boat, and leaving behind a huge amount of fish. I see a picture here. You know, think about it. When Peter did this, he jumped into the water, he swam towards Jesus, he left all these things behind. He left his boat, he left his other, his friends, his, his workers, he left the hull, the money, the fish. But I think he left even more, way more than these physical items. I believe when Peter, this was a major turning point, I really believe in Peter, which we'll see study more next week. But he left behind his own desires, his own hopes, his, his own abilities, right? His own successes. He left everything behind to swim towards Jesus and publicly sought after Jesus at this point. You know, it's just a picture that I, I see. You know, this was the last time maybe that Peter really tries to do his own thing. And he came up empty. But then swam towards Jesus Seeing it was Jesus, it was Jesus who provided the catch. He did, Jesus did for Peter what Peter couldn't do for himself. And once, now that Peter's focus was on Jesus, think about this, now his focus is on Jesus, he's heading for Jesus. What was he going to receive once he reached Jesus, once he reached the shore? Everything was there on the shore that he needed, all the substance he, he needed. It was already prepared, it was ready, it was there waiting the very thing that Peter had been out seeking in the sea, fish, was there with Jesus, already cooked, waiting for him. We often, you know, so often, we seek these things of the world, thinking that once we achieve them, we will have satisfaction. We work so hard, just as I'm sure these disciples worked all night, yet all he had to do was swim toward Jesus. There was Jesus, waiting for him, with everything that he needed and everything he had been already searching for, Jesus was just ready to receive Peter and us. It's just a great picture I see. Let's look at verses 10 through 11. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. This haul of fish, this was supernatural. 
the fact that the Nets didn't tear is divine intervention. This, I mean, maybe we don't all quite grasp this or understand this, how impossible really this catch of fish was. But this weight, think how much, how much would have this have weighed without the next tearing? I think it's 153 fish. It says large fish. I don't know, maybe 600 pounds? That's a, I mean, could you imagine pulling up 600 pounds of fish into a boat? And these nets, we, you know, there's no way. It was supernatural. The disciples, they knew the only explanation for what had just taken place was, it's the Lord. It's so amazing when we are able to witness or be a part of something that's happened or, you know, something that happens around us when the only explanation, the only response is we can look at it and say, it's the Lord. I love this. When even an unbeliever can see the situation and they can't explain it. It's just amazing. It just causes a huge smile on my face when I see these things that happen in our life. You know, Galzan's always sharing. I just love it. You know, and all the things going on and his smile he gets. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. So let's read the last few verses for the day, 12 through 14. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. It was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Peter has came to a point where he loved Jesus, I believe, more than he loved the greatest material success he could dream of. I believe he never, at this point, his faith was focused on Jesus. I don't, I don't think he ever said again, let's go fishing. I mean, we don't know that, but I believe this was a turning point for Peter in his life. You know, we, we know that John added to this section, you know, of John later. But why, why is this so important that he would have added this later? And I was reading some commentaries on it, and I just give it a small little quote from Warren Worsby. He said, he, speaking of John, wanted to teach us how to relate to the risen Christ. Think about that. How do we relate to the risen Christ? How did Peter relate in this situation? What was the disciples' reaction to Jesus? What was Peter's? What did he do? Then, again, what is our reaction today? Are we each willing, willing as Peter, to jump out of that comfortable boat, leave everything behind, and seek after Jesus? Because what did Peter find when he found Jesus? He found everything that he was working for and seeking. So it's a question I ask everyone is, we're all, so many of us are sitting around comfortable in our homes, in our own boats. Well, we jump out and run to Jesus and leave all the things behind. I'd like to close today with reading that passage again in First Peter. Because after I preach this message, I really believe this is, again, so relevant. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. I read this and I just, I see in this story how they slipped back, I believe, into their old ways. But then they did run to Jesus. Peter did run to Jesus. But I think right now in times like this, when we are isolated, when we're 
it's so easy to slip back into our old ways of thinking, our own thought process, our own patterns. We need to get out of that we need to get out of that mindset and we need to be our focus needs to be on Jesus. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word today, Lord. I thank you that you, through your Holy Spirit, I believe, brought John to write this, this additional story in John, just to teach us that sometimes while we're waiting on your timing, we can become impatient. Sometimes as we're waiting, maybe we'll turn back to our old ways and our old ways of thoughts. And our focus would then be on ourselves and what we can do and how we could do it our way. But then we've seen the results, Lord. We can do nothing without you. We see it here. But then if we will chase after you, if we will jump out of our, wherever we're at, the comfortable situation, jump after it, jump into the, jump and swim towards you, run towards you, you're there with your arms open. And with you is all that we need, physically, spiritually. It's already prepared. It's waiting for us. Let us remember that. As Satan will try to tempt us, to walk away, to go do something else instead of what you've called us to do. So, Lord, I pray that each of us, Lord, would walk in your timing and walk according to your will. And, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just speak to everyone in times like this where we are currently, many of us, in a holding pattern. We're stuck at home. We don't feel like we're being purposeful. We don't feel like we're being useful. Let us use this time, Lord, to build our relationship with you to study your word, to be in prayer, to build up on our foundation of truth so we can go out and share. And that, let us not also use it as, a, as an excuse, but we can get on the phone, we can get on texting, we can get on email. We, can visit, we need to go out and share the gospel still. Lord, I just thank you. I don't have to live in fear of this virus. I trust you. I trust you're sovereign. I trust that you gave your life for me. Lord, I love you so much, Lord, and I just thank you for this. I thank you for always being there waiting for me if I would just come and embrace you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We thank you for joining us on Refuge Online. Please stick around here. We have a, another song we're going to worship. And again, if you have any prayer request, please let us know. We'd love to pray for you. God bless.